Um, how many have been to a third world country before? Been to third, I've been to several third world countries, and um, you know, you see poverty that's crazy. Like when we were, go to the Dominican Republic on our mission trips, we go to the, the sugarcane villages, and, and so often you just we walk away and you go, man, it's unbelievable to see how people live. But as I was thinking about that, I was, I was thinking about a deeper poverty, not just physical poverty, but an internal starvation of the soul that most people are living in. Most people do not understand who they are and, and, and why they were created and what life is really about. There's an inner starvation for meaning in life, purpose in life. And, you know, if you just walk into a, a, a bookstore, you'll see section after section on self-help books. And I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're bad, but Jesus, they're not talking about Jesus and how he really is the, the healer of the soul. I think of the song by you 2 that still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there's a lot of people, even believers, who, who aren't living a, a truly satisfied life in Jesus. I know I don't always, and I'm working on it. Um, we started a series last week called I Am, and last week we looked at how Jesus was the great I Am, and now we're going to go through his seven statements that in the Gospel of John where he says that he is I Am, and how he satis- satisfies us, and that, that life speaks to us, I am not. You've subtly had I am not spoken to you, I'm not lovable, I'm not worth it, I'm not wanted, those subtle seeds of the enemy can easily become a a lifestyle for us. Jesus came to declare his I am over your I am nots. And I think that's where freedom truly is going to come from. So today we're looking at his statement where he said, I am the bread of life. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. What an amazing statement by Jesus to make. He's using the, the metaphor of, of bread and hunger as an illustration to tell us something deeper and greater about himself. The context of that statement, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with, with five, five loaves and three fish. Anybody remember that kid song with five loaves and three fish? God made the heavenly dish. Should I be on the worship team or children's ministry? Either or. <clears throat> um, he did this miracle and fed 5,000 people, and that crowd of people began to follow him for, briefly. And Jesus stops the crowd, and he, he gives a hard word about what it means to be his disciple. What does it mean to be his follower? Because they had a religious framework that needed to be blown up. And Jesus is always blowing up our our religious frameworks. He doesn't fit in a box. And they all left. They argued with him a little bit, and then they left. And Jesus turns back, and it's just his disciples, just the 12. And he looks at the 12, and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You hold the words to eternal life. And I think Peter was beginning to discover the reality of who Jesus is as the I am. 
We know Peter kind of had a rocky, rocky road to get in his walk early on. But he, was, he saw something in Jesus. The Father had revealed something to him about who Jesus was and, hey, stick with him. So how do, how do we satisfy our deepest hunger? How does the bread of life satisfy us truly is what we're going to talk about this morning. And I believe it's so important that I've been thinking about this definition of faith a lot lately as coming into agreement with Jesus about who he is and who he says we are. That's faith. Faith is not having it all figured out. It's saying, Jesus, I do believe. I I agree that you are the bread of life and that you will satisfy me. That's learning how to walk in faith. So the first thing, if we're going to live in our souls truly satisfied by the bread of life, the first thing I think we need to do is the most obvious is acknowledge that you're, you're hunger. Acknowledge your hunger. Acknowledge that we're, 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 we're starving for meaning and purpose. I have several friends who have kids kind of in that high school age, and, and the, the number one thing that they say that their kids struggle with is, is just finding how do they fit in? Where's their, what's the meaning and purpose of their life? And that they're kind of just, just flailing around in life, so to speak, not knowing who they are. Because they're hungry for meaning, they're hungry for purpose, but they haven't found it yet. When you're hungry, your stomach growls. It lets you know that you need food, right? It was funny during the, the the quarantine, when we were filming all the sermons from home, we had a little makeshift studio like Wayne's World in our basement, and uh, Janelle would set the camera on, and I would look into a camera, hoping that I was going to be able to minister to you guys. And one time, I must have been hungry when we were taping it, and she had me come listen to the, she was going to edit it out. My, the microphone picked up my stomach growling. It's like, and you could hear, you could hear it on there. Um, Jesus said, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. There is the ultimate satisfaction of what's to come and the life to come, but he wants us to discover it now. And, and I, believe, I believe the life of faith is a daily, weekly, monthly discovery of who Jesus really is, who the Father really is, who the Holy Spirit is in us. We're not going to have it all figured out. We're not going to, you know, it's, we're, we're, this isn't heaven, this is the bottom line. I say that often, and we're not there yet. In the, in the book of Exodus, we hear, uh, we see the story where God fed the children of Israel miraculously with the manna from heaven. Every day they would wake up and there would be this heavenly bread that they could eat. And God said, eat what you need for today. Don't try to, don't put in your sacks or whatever the leftovers because it'll rot. And they tried that one time and that's exactly what happened. He was trying to show them that he's going to be more than enough for every day. Their daily bread, what they needed. But it only met a temporary need. And Jesus takes that story of the manna in in this passage, and he says, I am the true bread that's come down from heaven, and his satisfaction is not temporary, it's eternal. So I wrote the statement down, we must understand what we are hungering for before we find the source of satisfaction. What are we hungering for? I've heard people say this a lot in my life, 
as a pastor, they say, well, I, t- I tried Jesus. It just didn't work out. You ever heard somebody say something kind of like that? I tried the Jesus thing. I tried the church thing. And, and I honestly would say, I don't know if you've really met him then, if you tried him and, and you didn't like him and you moved on. Because the, the real Jesus, the real Jesus of the gospel is the one who truly satisfies. I took a, a class um, sorry about this with this microphone. I took a class uh, years ago on biblical counseling by this guy named Dr. Mike Chapman. And I'm going to share with you some things that I found revelatory in his, his teaching about, about our longings of our soul. What we're, a longing is that, you know, a metaphor of hungering for bread, thirsting for water, the Bible uses for the longings of our heart to describe it. And there's three of them. And they go in, in this order. The first one is a casual longing. We all have casual longings. We have a longing for comfort. We have a longing for convenience. Maybe we need a car, a job. Those are things that lead to temporary satisfaction because as soon as you buy a new car, one day it's going to break down. <laughs> You'll need a different car or whatever. Things are always breaking down. They're longings, but, but they lead to temporary satisfaction. And you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, right? It's because their water bill is also higher too, right? <laughs> but it's true. We always envy somebody else's situation, somebody else's job, somebody else's career. But that's coming from that casual longing. Then it, 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 it ups the ante a little bit on the second set of longings are critical longings. Critical. They're very important. The need of deep relationships, the need of deep of friendships, marriage. They're important, but they're not crucial. And I love being married to Janelle more than anything. I love having family and friendships. But people can be taken away from us, and and life does go on, so to speak. Think about Jesus. He never got married. All his closest friends hightailed it on him on the night he was betrayed. John the Baptist, man, he lived a lonely life seems like to me. And then Jeremiah, the prophet, I mean, these people were lonely. They didn't have those deep relationships. They had it with God. And God proved to them that he's enough. So what we're hungering for, what we're truly longing for is what's called crucial longings. Crucial. crucial a crucial longing is a, uh, a God-created hunger and longing that if not met, we're going to starve and become empty on the inside. That's supposed to say crucial. So there we go. Read it wrong. <laughs> the first service, I said that backwards like 25 times. So thank you. I was very conscious of that. But it's, it's a God, God created us with two needs that if not met, we're going to starve. But he is the one that can only meet these two crucial needs longings. As the body needs food and water, our inner person needs these two things met. And you say, well, what are they? Glad you asked. The first one is, is, is the need for security. It's the need for security. And security is to know that we are loved without needing to earn it. You're loved unconditionally just because. Most of our love 
often is, is it's kind of earned, and, and, and it's hard for human being, fallen human beings to give unconditional love to one another. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve were created, they, they had experienced perfect security. But if you remember, the evil one came and lied to them and sold them the lie that God wasn't good. And, when, when, and they ate from the tree, and they forfeited these crucial longings to be satisfied in their lives by God. They forfeited that. And so maybe today you have an I am not, that is, I'm not secure. I don't feel secure. Well, let Jesus answer it with his I am. I am there for you. I am with you. I love you. Look at the cross and realize how much God loves you. You are safe and secure in the love of God. He created us with that need for security, and only he can ultimately meet it. The second need is, is the need of significance. Significance. Significance is the realization that my life has meaning, purpose, and can impact another life or lives. That's the sense of significance. I, I, actually, I actually matter. And I bet a lot of us, when you hear that, you, you think to yourself, I'm not significant. I'm no big deal. There's nothing significant about me. Who told you that? Whose vantage point do you hear that you're not significant from? Because the one who created you and redeemed you says you are ultimately significant to him, to our creator. He, you are significant to him. Whether you stand out in a crowd or not is irrelevant to whose eyes are always on you, who lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You are significant. We're secure and we're significant when we find those needs met in him. What was forfeited in the garden, Jesus came to give it back to us, to have security and to have significance. When we understand that only God can, can meet these two longings, these needs, cru crucial longings, that we're on our way towards a life of freedom and peace. But just like Adam and Eve, I find myself, and I know you do too, looking in the wrong places to get these needs met. But when we go to the I am and we go to the bread of life, that's when we find these satisfied. Second thing, to find true satisfaction in Jesus being the bread of life is I need to give up false imitations to satisfy my hunger and thirst. There are false imitations out there. Listen to what the Lord says in Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. He says, everyone who thirsts come to... Er Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. He's talking about true soul food there. <laughs> Him feeding our, feeding our souls. Um, I think sometimes when we talk about this, you know, we often settle for Twinkies, a box of Twinkies when there's a banquet table of great food there for us. You follow what I'm saying? They, they, Twinkie tastes good, right? But there's zero nutrition value to it. It's not, not ultimately satisfy. And, and, and when we eat, a, you know, when Thanksgiving's coming and, and 
I love Thanksgiving meal. Janelle's a really good cook. And on Thanksgiving, I won't eat until it's time because I want to have plenty of room to overdo it on that day with the food. You know, I don't want anything getting in the way of, of eating all that, that good food and just, you know, put on your fat bread and sit there and, and just overdo it. And I'm not going to waste, and, and I think that the, the, what I'm trying to, point I'm trying to make is, are we settling for something when there's a banquet table, some sort of imitation, I guess? Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 38, he said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost beings, being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm all you need. When you believe in me and you have my spirit living in you, you'll have rivers of, of clean living water. You're not going to be thirsty. When you get thirsty, you just go back to the source, and that's him, rivers of living water. I was thinking about this. What does wonder bread and idols have in, com in, in common? They're both, they're both um, imitations, right? They both, Wonder Bread tastes good. Did anybody like Wonder Bread? I mean, come on, I know you do. Peanut butter jelly sandwiches best on Wonder Bread. But if there's no nutritional value in, in a piece of Wonder Bread, it's an imitation. Go to Israel and eat real bread. There was something about the bread that we, we ate in Israel that was phenomenal. There was probably because there's no fillers, no artificial stuff. It was the real deal when it, when it comes to bread. An idol, when we think of idols, we tend to think of that's a third world country thing or other religions or just Old Testament. The Old Testament is a, a book in many ways about idolatry. Don't have any gods beside me, the first commandment. And, and we see Israel over and over and over giving themselves over to idolatry, giving themselves to other uh, you know, false religions and so forth. And so the idols, when we think of idols, you might think of a statue or a, a car, piece of carved wood or something like that, and that obviously can be. But in our world, most people I know don't have those kind of idols. Our idols land in our hearts. They land in, in, in our hearts. But the truth is, it's an imitation. A, an idol is anything that takes place of God's God's role in your life and in your heart. That's really what an idol is. I wrote this down. Whatever satisfies your crucial longings, security and significance, is your functioning God. We worship what satisfies and meets our longings. Whatever I'm finding my ultimate security and my ultimate significance in becomes my functioning God. That's kind of the definition of what an idol is. I was... I was uh, Thinking about this, I'm a child of the 80s. So back in the 80s with all the hair bands and, and 80s metal, there was a band called Warrant. And the singer was a guy named Janie Lane. And I remember seeing them at Red Rocks, like in high school. And um, they, they were at the heyday, making millions of dollars, fame and fortune, living the, the, the rock star dream. And not too long ago, I want to say it was maybe five or six years ago, I was watching this show called Where Are They Now? And it was a group of people who had a, a, a glimpse of fame and fortune. What were they up to now? And his life was a mess. He was extremely overweight. 
had a drug problem, had spent every penny he had ever made. When you think your security and significance is in those things, man, I felt so, sorry for him because if he, he needed to know Jesus. He needed to know who created him. He ended up passing away from a drug overdose not too long ago. That's what happened. The things that we think are going to make us so happy, they don't satisfy. They're imitations to what Jesus is for us. 1 John 5, 21, he says, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourselves from idols. Guard, the NLT says, anything that, that takes God's place in your heart, guard yourself from that. So when we, uh, in our, most of our, our idols are, are actually good things. They're often gifts from God. Um, but when we get our focus on the gift rather than the giver of the gift, that's when it, it, it starts souring in our lives, in our hearts. I mean, when we, marriage is a great thing, but it can become an idol. Successful kids can become an idol. Success, career, whatever it is, can easily become, take God's place in our hearts. I like to ask this question of people and myself. If you were taking notes, like, if I had blank then I would be happy. What is it? If I had this, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be satisfied. That lets you and I know probably what might be some sort of functioning idol in our lives to try to take God's place in our hearts. And the last thing I would say is this. If you're going to have your deepest needs to be satisfied, this security in this significance that we were created with, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus to satisfy your deep, deepest longings and hunger. Um, Augustine said that you've made us for yourself and our souls are restless until they rest in you. That's so true. God made us for himself. Until I'm resting in that, then I'm going to be restless. But the key to a restless soul is to, to rest in Jesus. Jesus goes on in John 6, and he says, I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I, the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh. He's talking about the laying down of his life for us and for the world. And I think it's important, like sometimes you can look at somebody's life and they seem like, man, they really got their stuff together. They really love Jesus. They really are seem to be at rest. And the reality is, is we're never going to fully be satisfied until we get face to face with Jesus in heaven, the, 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 the real Eden. But again, if I can remind you, come into agreement with Jesus about who he is and who you are because of him, and then daily discover that. Daily live it out in how you respond to life and how you, in your relationships, you'll see him that he truly is the bread of life. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul, I think, gives us some practical things that we can do to, to learn more about Jesus, to learn more about him being the bread of life. He says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. A daily intake in scripture. Jesus is the living word of God. 
He's the full revelation of God. The Scriptures are there to show us who He is, to show us who we are. And so not just an hour on a Sunday morning to hear a message is not going to do it. You're not going to experience the satisfaction until you read the Scriptures for yourself and encounter Jesus. And when you feed on Scripture, you're going to learn how secure and significant you are and what God thinks about you. And then Paul continues on. He says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. That's what we do. When we come together to sing, as amazing as their voices are and their talents are up here, we're not here to just listen to these guys sing and play. We're here to encounter. We're here to worship to God. True worship is a satisfied soul. God, I'm satisfied, Jesus, because you are the living bread. You're the bread that satisfies. You created me with purpose and meaning. When we're worshiping Jesus, that's a satisfied soul. And then he continues, he says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When I saw that, I thought, by your life, you share the bread of life. How we serve, how we talk, how we do our jobs. That's an all a means of, of, as you know that he's the bread of life and he satisfies, and you give that back out. That's that re- reciprocation that happens there. We were at men's core breakfast yesterday in this room, and uh, Ron Esau is an older gentleman in our church, and he was, he's passionate, man. And uh, he was talking about his neighbor. His neighbor lost a loved one, and just has kind of become a hermit and, and, and just really broken in heavy, heavy, heavy grief. And it was such a burden on Ron's heart to help relief, relieve this man's pain. And so he, he brought a card to the men's core breakfast and had us all just write something to this stranger that none of us have ever met, a word of encouragement, a word of something. And we all did it. And, and as I was thinking, I was like, He's sharing the bread of life. He's trying to show somebody who's not secure, not experiencing significance. And here, here's a group of men who want to tell you they love you and praying for you and care about you. That's the bread of life being shared. And that's that significance. Again, if you think to yourself, I'm not significant, you are. And you show it every time you, you, you have impact on somebody else's life by what you say and how you treat somebody. Lord knows our world needs that more more than ever. We have the great I am living on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. The one who spoke everything into being dwells within you and I in his perfect love. Access that by faith and a coming into agreement with him. We're gonna, what I want you to do just for a minute is just close your eyes whether it's for the first time in your life or or it's a reminder to you, come into agreement with Jesus. Come into agreement that he is the bread of life and that he satisfies, that he is the great I am. Come into agreement with who he is 
and then come into agreement with him about who he says you are. You're his beloved creation. You're, be- you're God's beloved son and, and daughter. May God bless each of us in this room and watching online. May God bless each of us with a deeper understanding, a deeper discovery of the one who truly satisfies, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to not be apathetic or discouraged distracted Lord to just live every day knowing you live within us and you dwell within us I thank you for your joy I thank you for your peace that's not circumstantial but it's, it's Lord it's in, in all circumstances we have your peace and joy thank you for your goodness to us God thank you for your blessing favor upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.